Welcome to the Barefoot Scholars Podcast. Join three moms as we share all we've learned and are still learning on our adventure from paper and pencil work to the wide open world of barefoot education. Welcome to the Barefoot Scholars Podcast, Episode 5. I'm Michelle. I'm Hannah. And I'm Sammy. And today we're going to talk about curriculum choice and what to do when you finally decide to take the leap to homeschool. So let's say you've decided you're ready and you're just ready to go head, dive headfirst into homeschooling. So what are the next steps? And this part is pretty important because there are legalities at stake here and you can get yourself into trouble if you don't follow those things. Um, first of all, please know that each state's requirements and laws regarding homeschooling vary greatly. So we are, our home base is Indiana. So that is the only state we're familiar with. Um, We highly encourage you to research your own state's laws probably before you pull your kid or, you know, the the day you do so that you know what you need to start keeping track of um, and how all that needs to go. So for Indiana, um, if your child is currently in school and you're pulling them from a classroom or if you've already registered them, like um, when we decided, when I decided to homeschool, Callie was, had never started, but she was already registered to start kindergarten. So I needed to do this for her too. But you have to let your building principal know that you're withdrawing your kids. Um, In Indiana, we have a website called IAHE, Indiana Association Homeschool Homeschool Education, Education, I think. Um, And they have a really nice form. Uh, They call it a withdraw and intent to homeschool letter that you can just download and fill in the blanks with your kids' information, and you can save it as a PDF and attach it to email to your principal, or you can print it off and send it. Some people will suggest that you send it certified mail to their school. Um, That way they can't come back on you and say they never received it. Uh, I emailed our kids' principal and got a response back quickly, so that was, I mean, I had documentation that they received it. If your child has never been registered, like let's say you're starting from day one and they, you know, from four years old or whatever, um, there's no reason to notify anyone if you don't want to. You don't have to contact their school. Their school doesn't even know they exist. Uh, So there's no reason to do anything. There is an opportunity in Indiana to register your homeschool child or children through the state. Um, I know that there's tax credits involved in that. I suggest you do your own research in that. It's kind of like 50-50 when you talk on homeschool families, whether they do or they don't, uh, for their many different reasons. So know that that is an option in Indiana um, and do your own research to make your own decision. Like Michelle mentioned, make sure that you do know exactly what your state requires and then start documenting immediately. Just find whatever system works for you and check with what it is that you have to be able to prove to the state. So in Indiana, we only have to have proof of attendance, and that needs to total the number of days by your home school system. Um, and so if you can find that information, you just need to keep attendance records and um, have that available. But like we said, other states are totally different. Sometimes you have to show proof of student work or portfolio or get curriculum approved. Um, Some states require standardized testing mm-hmm. that you ha- your child is required to register and do. Yeah, so just, again, make sure you check out your own home state and see what it is um, that is required. For me, um, even though Indiana does not require us to show proof of student work, I keep a lot of our kids' work each year. Um, if they have a workbook that they've completed or a, um, you know, for them, their their math is all in one curriculum notebook. So I keep that information um, year after year, and that's pretty much just because I get nervous that I'm going to need to show it someday. Or I also do like having things to look back on and see what they've accomplished or see how far they've grown, things like that. Um, And then I have a planner that I just track every day that we have, um, that we are doing school and I just number it to track. I usually try to um, abide by a school calendar around us. I might not do it exactly, but I usually try to pick one that I feel like the starting time works for me, the ending time works for me, and then it just allows me to keep the breaks in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I know a lot of times we don't need the full length of some of the breaks and so we will sometimes bank days and during the fall you know we'll go straight through but then we'll utilize those around the holidays or in the spring um, so that we can just get our time in but a lot of times it's easy to just pick something around you and that lines up with a lot of our friends who are in public school so that makes it nice as you're talking about banking days I did want to specify your days required in Indiana have to be in from July 1st to June 30th of the following year so you have a full calendar year to get those 180 days in so like you Mm -hmm. said if you you know maybe you travel in the winter and you're not home you can choose to do your days mm-hmm. all in July and go all the way through June and not do any schoolwork in December. How, and you can choose to do that however you want as long as they total the number of days required by your your home school's district. Mm-hmm. And then another thing to keep in mind is that, at least for Indiana, sick days do not count. And so um, homeschoolers do not have – you can't just say, oh, well, my kid was sick, so we didn't do that day – because we have the year to make up the 180 days um, and because the homeschooler is in charge of deciding how long those days are, when those days take place, they don't have to be Monday through Friday. Um, So due to our flexibility, there's not really such thing as a sick day. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't take them. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that someone's not sick and they're you know, not expected to do work that day, but it's just meaning that technically you do need to get that time made up. and get that extra day in. For me, to keep it simple, since I have one in public school and one that I homeschool, I just follow that public school child's calendar. So whatever days he goes to school, those are the days that we do school as well. And then whatever days he has off, we also adhere Mm -hmm. to those. And then as far as like record keeping, I keep a planner, but I, I don't really keep it for the purpose of like showing work. I keep it for like I don't know, I, re- I reverse plan, which I learned from the humorous homeschooler, which is more just like a motivational thing to look back, like, oh, look at how much we've accomplished mm-hmm. and what we did and who we hung out with and what activities we did, so. I yeah, I always like to, on my planner where I keep the the dates of the, or our school days, I always like to go back in and fill like what field trip we did or where we went, what if there was something really specific that stood out or, you know, we do a monthly STEAM team with our library. So I always mark that down in, you know, that every day, um, it's not busy work, but like, you know, just more mundane work. I don't necessarily completely keep track of in my planner, but I, I always like to highlight kind of, yeah, to look back on the year of what we've done. And one thing with record keeping and calendars, if you were to pull your kid, let's say three weeks into school or six months into school, you can count all of those days that they attended public school in your homeschooling year. So hopefully that little tidbit helps. And then for me, um, I'm a little type A, so my planner is kind of how I keep our whole family organized just day to day. So in my planner, I have everything from practices to, you know, uh, the weeks my husband's on call to field trips we have scheduled to co-op classes we have. Um, And I then I take that planner has a full year calendar in the front of it. And I use that as my attendance record and just highlight the days that we did school so that it's all on one sheet of paper, super easy, super accessible. Uh, And then I do keep my whole planner. I've kept all of them so far in four years eventually. I mean, I don't know, it's like 12 possible years. So I'm sure I'll keep all of them just because that's how I am. But, um, and then aside from that, I keep the girls' notebooks um, or journals that they have, a couple of writing samples, um, some math work. Every once in a while, there will be like a cumulative kind of review, and those are the ones I tend to keep. Um, but none of that is required, uh, and I just encourage you to find out what's required and then just do what works best for you because each each mom is different. Each kid's stuff is going to look different, and some of your things are going to be digital. A lot of your things might be digital. So mm-hmm. so do you guys keep attendance separately for each child? I had, like, a color coding system um, where it was, like, if they were both there, then it was written or, like, mm-hmm. or all three now. But if they're all there, then it was written in, like, blue. And then if somebody was sick, it was written in this color. And just to, to note if there's been. But typically, um, I might sound a bit like a mean mom right now, but usually on those sick days, because we do have them, 
But a lot of times the kids, I mean, they have not been, luckily, they have not been sick enough that they haven't needed something to fill their day. And so we've been able to still do something. Now, it might not be as rigorous, you know, of course, but... um, if we're gonna, if my, if our kids are sick, but we're still gonna do our our language arts read aloud, and we're still gonna cuddle up and read books, or they're gonna do independent reading, and if we're going to, um, you know, when my kids are sick, they definitely get extra screen time. But if I can be intentional about what they're watching, like, okay, yeah, you can go in my bed and watch a, watch a show, but let's make sure, you know, it can be a PBS show, it can be a Wild Kratts, or it can be something that relates to something else that they're learning. Um, you know, you can be intentional mm-hmm. with what they're getting. And then to me, I mean, it's it's a day that they watched a movie in class, which we know happens not all the time, time but day. certainly happens time to time. So I feel like even when, or, or honestly, I even have had them do some of their book work if they just need something to fill their time. You know, it's like if you do three math problems and then you're out and you're too tired, you don't want to do more, fine. But to me, it's like, we're here, we're stuck at home because you are sick. And so I, I really try to leave it up to them. But just because someone's sick doesn't mean that we don't necessarily, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think learning happens in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But I will say, too, our for, first priority is rest, mm-hmm. listen to your body, see mm-hmm. what you feel up to. Um, but if they do, then they can kind of stay on track, get ahead, and it, it works well, out Well, and us. the difference with homeschooling versus you know, going to school, right? If they're not feeling good before they go to bed that night, you know, then they, we can let them sleep until their bodies are ready to wake up. That might be 10 Mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning, but then they might wake up with energy for a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying, whether that's one hours, two hours, if they need to take a nap in the middle of the day, they can take a nap. It's not like you have to make the decision at seven o'clock in the morning, whether the whole day is going to be a wash or not. Mm -hmm. And yeah, for us, I just use one color for all the girls because Truth be told, if one's not doing school for some reason, then everybody's making that day up because it's all going to even out anyways. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's going to be 180 days, actually, in our, yeah, 180 days that everyone is doing school. So mm-hmm. I'm not too worried about that. Do you think you guys do more than 180 days? 100%. 100%. Isn't that interesting? Um, well, the reason why I ask is because I believe that we do more than 180 days because homeschooling is like a lifestyle of just learning like how you live your life and then you can always find something that they're interested in and like spend time researching that learning about that reading about that crafting about that creating an ecosystem or a habitat about that animal that that child loves so I agree I think also for us you know we go on so many adventures obviously the 10 of us together and it's so great and magical and wonderful, but then my husband, you know, he's he's at work and he sometimes wants to be a part of it as well. And so there will be times where we'll revisit things on the weekends or we'll do something in the style of what we've done during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, one time we went to, a, we, we talked about the Levi and Catherine Coffin home on this, and I think we actually shared this, but um, after we w- visited that state historical site, we, my husband, our family, we went to a Reds game, a Cincinnati Reds game the next day, and we decided to go and look at the birthplace of, or I mean, excuse me, not the birthplace, <laughs> the cemetery, the burial place of Levi and Catherine Coffin. And so, you know, that was one thing that just kept bleeding over into our own life and what we wanted to chase more. And so I feel like we do that on the weekends with um, with Joel a lot because we want to bring him into our world too and we want to go and experience these things but I think like Sammy you just said you know homeschooling is a way of life mm-hmm. and so our kids I mean my kids are the first to veg out they love their screen time mm-hmm. and they love to chill but they also have so much time to be creative and create and explore that they do crave that too mm-hmm. so yeah we might have some we, we definitely have downtime on the weekends but they are so creative and just love to keep doing that, that I feel like you'll just see these different learning opportunities or science experiments happening. Um, and it, to them, I think we've finally grown to the point where it doesn't necessarily matter what day of the week it is. You know, they, they're starting to learn and get and grasp the fact that this can happen all the time all around us. Well, I think our weekends also look different because 
I know, I'm not sure if this is true of all homeschoolers, but I know of the three of us, you know, we, <laughs> if, if some sort of class they're interested in is only a weekend thing, like that's out for us, right? Because we prioritize that time to spend at home with our families or husbands because they are working during the day. So, and, and even if it's not those things, they, they do have the opportunity for more downtime during the day of, during the weekday, during a quote unquote typical school hour day that they're getting doses of that through the week. So when the weekend comes and most kids are wanting to just veg out and they don't want to do anything creative or extra reading or whatever for very real reasons, and I 100% get, but like you said, because I think our kids are getting doses of that downtime throughout the week more so than kids who are in public school or private school, then again, they are craving than the small doses of creativity or Mm -hmm. journal writing or creating a book or Mm -hmm. crafting or whatever that is on the weekends, Mm -hmm. the sense of adventure that doesn't leave them because it's not, it's so much of our life. It's not segregated into time blocks of Monday through Friday, 730 to 330 or whatever the school day Mm -hmm. hours are. Okay, so we just talked about how learning happens all the time. You know, we feel like it bleeds into the weekends and definitely far outside of just 180 days. So in kind of that same context, do we believe that curriculum is necessary to start homeschooling? That is a great question because I don't believe curriculum is necessary to start homeschooling right off the bat because there's so many different opportunities for your child to learn. For instance, we can go to the library, we can go to museums, um, we can just go on adventures and go out in nature because there's learning that happens there. Um, I think about our kids, Callie and Emma, when they go on an adventure, no matter where we go, the museum, a a nature center or a state park, they have a little book that says, do not touch. Mm -hmm. And you better believe I'm touching that book and I'm looking at it because I'm nosy. And they've written down everything they did that day, and they're writing a story, and it's a, a book that they're creating, and I love that. And that's mm-hmm. learning right there, and that's evidence that they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're recalling what happened and how they felt and what they did. So I think that's really beautiful. So I think if you're starting out homeschooling, it's so like counterintuitive to think, mm-hmm. no, you don't need curriculum, because how do you teach? Because mm-hmm. I felt that way. Mm-hmm. I remember when I met up with you, I'm like, well, what do I do? How do I do this? What do I need to buy? Um, but it's actually not necessary. Um, I would just follow the, your child and whatever they're interested in, and it's pretty easy from mm-hmm. going from there. Like if they're interested in animals, then research animals and learn about all the animals that they love and create habitats and diagrams and all that stuff. And, you know, I don't know. Does that yeah. make sense? I agree with you 100%. When I first decided to homeschool, though, I was really stressed about curriculum. And it was during 2020 when homeschool conventions weren't going on and you know that it's not something that you can just walk into Walmart and touch and feel and look and so that was my biggest thing I'm like well I I'm gonna have to send them to school at least the first week of school because I, I haven't decided on a curriculum and then I did decide on a curriculum literally the week before school started when I sent my letter of intent to homeschool and then I found out that that was backordered until like December because everybody else was also homeschooling and they weren't used to this kind of volume. And so I settled on a different one. But even that was, I don't think I got it until four or five weeks into our school year. But, you know, I use things like Teachers Pay Teachers, which I was familiar with because I was a teacher. Um, and, you know, we, we did a lot of just going to the library and finding books that they were about things that they were interested in and reading those together and spending time outside and... You know, I, I think that a lot of people, that is a question I get a lot. What kind of curriculum? And I think that a lot of people are hung up on that. And they feel like that decision has to be made before they can take the leap and homeschool. And that's, I mean, if you learn anything from us, know that all of us now realize that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Even though we all fell into that same trap, mm-hmm. you know. And um, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think one of those one of the issues with curriculum is, you know, it is good to have, it's nice to have, mm-hmm. but in one of our previous episodes, we talked about the deschooling process mm-hmm. and how it really truly is so important. And that's, as we all mentioned in that episode, not something that any of us actually did. We didn't take the time mm-hmm. to do that. So especially now, if you're choosing to homeschool and you're choosing to pull your kid from the school system, like really giving value to the deschooling process. Mm-hmm. And if you are in a state that requires a curriculum, 
obviously you need to check on that and you need Mm -hmm. to see but chat gpt is very great at giving information on how different things fall into curriculum so you Mm -hmm. know you can search legos and it can tell you exactly what state standards Mm -hmm. it's hitting and all those sorts of things so there are resources out there but i think the other thing is we i know i can speak for the three of us were conditioned to believe that learning happens based on the curriculum Mm -hmm. Learning happens because you are at school. Learning happens because you were taught this thing Mm -hmm. by this person. Um, But, you know, I think homeschooling has taught all of us that that truly isn't the case. Mm And somebody that we're going to elaborate on later is Julie Bogart. And she has this quote. It says, textbooks and materials don't hold the keys to educating your children. They only offer you a possible pathway to mastery. As the one in charge, you can determine which pieces actually accomplish that goal. And I think that is such a powerful quote for us to remember that we are in charge. We know our children. We know what it is um, that, you know, gets them excited, gets them ready to learn. And curriculum can be a great tool. We all use it. We'll talk more about our specifics here in a minute. But um, it doesn't, if you haven't picked out your curriculum, don't let that stop you from taking the leap, taking the journey. Um, and just use that time to get to know your child and let them get to know you as well. And I think that is worth just as much as any other curriculum could be. Can I dare say that I feel like we've also been conditioned to believe that learning has to be painful? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. think in the, in the kindergarten and half of first grade year that my daughter was in public school, I mean, I just remember the homework being a fight. You know, and it's like, I, I feel like because things are taught in one way or even, okay, let's, they are taught in multiple ways, but usually one way at a time. And when you're taught to do long division in way number one, then on that homework that weekend and on that first test, you're expected to show the steps of way number one. Mm-hmm. And then later you're introduced to way number two. But but on that homework and on that assessment, you're still expected to prove that you can solve it way number two even if that way didn't make sense to you and you related to way number one you're expected or you have to your teach own you. way yeah right or you have your own way that makes sense in your brain you're expected to show that you have mastered this particular way and I feel like you know even for for kids who are naturally good students in a typical classroom okay I was that kid like mm-hmm. school came here excuse me school came very easy to me I did not have to try I was a people pleaser I was I just, I didn't have to try hard in school, okay? And that's not like a bragging thing. That's just my personal experience in school. And, you know, but I do remember, especially in math, like the specific ways that things have to be done, even when that's not the way that made the most sense to me, or I came up with my own way and still got the same answer. And I think that as maybe our generation, maybe older generations also, I think that we associate learning and growth with pain. Mm -hmm. I think that we expect that if you're not struggling through something at first, then you're you're not learning from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a very backwards and sad way of thinking and conditioning our kids. I even read something on Instagram just today about, you know, they they were saying basically that same thing, but just as life lessons that mm-hmm. if you haven't experienced pain then you're not growing and you're not learning and I just cannot I, I cannot get behind mm-hmm. that and so even if you get curriculum and you know you you've decided and you've done all your research and it's painful for your kid and everyone's in tears every day about it you can switch like there's mm-hmm. so many options out there and you know, it might be that you're not completely honed into what type of learner your kid is. And that is a hard thing to do, especially Absolutely. if you have multiple kids. I don't feel like I'm completely honed in as to what type of learner every one of my kids are yet. I, I don't. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been at this for four years and we've tried multiple different curriculums. And I still feel like I have learning to do there. Um, but I, it, it doesn't have to be painful. And if it's painful every single day, not to say that there's not going to be lessons that are harder than others. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that your kid shouldn't be challenged. Obviously, that's how growth and learning goes. But if it is painful and it is, you know, coming to tears and just absolute distress every day, then you have the ability. You can switch curriculums. You can even go back a whole grade level and 
re-hit some of those things mm -hmm. with a different curriculum than what they learned previously that teaches in a different way. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more of a kinesthetic way than a visual way, or maybe it's more manipulative, manipulative based than just paper, pencil, memorizing these steps. You have that power and control, and it does not have to be painful. I think another thing, too, is, you know, there's this unrealistic expectation in traditional schooling that kids should be perfect at, or the goal is that kids are perfect at every single thing. Um, you know, the goal is straight A's. Mm -hmm. The people who are celebrated are the straight A mm -hmm. students. And, and I know as schools have definitely gotten a lot better at celebrating growth, and that's mm -hmm. important, and that mm -hmm. is good. Um, however, they are celebrating growth, great also still parading around the straight-A students. And it's not that those students don't deserve recognition. That's awesome. Congratulations. Way to go. However, it's so unrealistic. This is one of those other things that when people say, how your kids are going to live in the real world if they're homeschooled? You know, mm -hmm. how will they ever be prepared for the real world? Mm -hmm. Well, in the real world, most people are not good at everything. Mm -hmm. And what you do in your job, if you're lucky enough to have a passion-driven job, mm -hmm. you're choosing something that you care about and you're chasing after that. Mm -hmm. So that is normal. Mm -hmm. You know, that is what you're... And even if you're not having a passion-driven job, you're, most people are going to have a job that aligns with their skills. That makes sense to them. That makes mm -hmm. sense to them. It's going to be something that is aligned with something that they are good at. Mm -hmm. And so we spend, you know, these 12 years of education saying everyone you, the goal is to be perfect in every single subject the goal is to be to master every single subject but that and not just every single subject but every single piece and every single step of every single subject yeah. and that is just not realistic and that doesn't make you less than I think that's the thing about you know with the grading system and I understand why they have it I get why they're organizing that way however as homeschoolers we have um, the opportunity to not do that. We don't have to rank our kids against other people. We don't even have to rank them against themselves. Mm -hmm. They can learn what they're really, really good at. And then we take the time to dissect and get through what it is they're struggling with. Or pause and take a break from it. Or, you know, like revisit it in a different way. And there's not an expectation that oh, you will get every single thing right all the time. And also I know with homeschooling for my kids, and I'm pretty sure for all of you guys, you know, we do, we're constantly using our materials around us as assistants. You know, I don't expect, I don't care if my kids use a hundreds chart when they do math because use a resource that helps you understand it, see it, get it. And do that. Use your Montessori math board to build out your multiplication problem. I would much rather see my kids work out a problem and know that they under see that they understand the steps to take to get the answer than I would them just have it memorized. Um, but you know, when you're in a traditional school setting, that would be looked at as like a crutch or an aid, or um, you know, there's no open book test that sort of thing. You know, like. But really, I think one of the best things that we can teach our children is to utilize their resources to get the result that they need. Mm -hmm. um, just today, my oldest had a math problem, and it was 600,033 divided by 30. And we both kind of, he's done long division. He can do long division. He's done the two digit and the, but, but we looked at it. And it was just like, I looked at him, I said, no, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get my phone and you're going to do it on a calculator. Mm -hmm. Because any time in your life, in the world that we live in, mm -hmm. if you have that problem, you're doing it on a calculator. Like, you might have to do that for whatever reason, but you're going to utilize a system. And I would rather you understand, read this problem to me, you know, using the correct place value, you, using the correct terms, all that. Read this problem to me. But then learn how to put it into my calculator because he doesn't use a calculator. So that's a skill he did not have. Mm -hmm. But that's a skill it's you're going to, that, that's what then. you're going to use, you know. And I, it didn't, he had already done division problems on that, you know, like he does know the concept. But for something that outlandish, mm -hmm. um, especially as a fifth grader, it's like, 
And not that it would have been that hard to work out, but just, no, let's utilize something that makes sense right now and give you a new tool in your arsenal to be able to access when in the future or now. When you were talking, it reminded me of that quote. I, I can't find it. I was going to pull it up. But it was like, if you if you have an A in math, but a, an F in English, it's time to hire a math tutor, which is counterintuitive. But mm-hmm. it's saying, like, well, if you're awesome at math, then you should hone in on that. Hone in on math. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I was thinking the whole time yeah. you were talking about. And I was looking up a podcast I had listened to previously. Um, it was Ken Coleman. Uh, and he was talking about, he sells kind of like this package for IQ, um, not IQ. He was, he was not, it was about how IQ is not all that is cracked up to be. It was a package on like, um, maybe careers that you might be passionate about based on like interest assessment, I guess Mm -hmm. is the word I'm looking for. I can't remember exactly what he called it, but. You know, it, he in his before he started that he was an accountant, and he's like, you know, I can crunch numbers all day, but I can't fix when my HVAC goes out. And mm-hmm. I love and I appreciate the HVAC guy that comes and picks up, you know, fixes my problem. And I can't fix my leaky faucet, but I love that guy who mm-hmm. found his passion there and who was handy with his hands. He's like, I'm not a handy guy. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to be working with my hands, but I can crunch numbers all day. And that's exactly to your point of. Why are we pretending like everybody's going to be perfect at everything? Right. Like there, that would make us so boring. One mm-hmm. and two, different jobs and you know different people exist for the reason that we need all kinds of kinds mm-hmm. to bring us together. I mean to to make the world work. Yeah. We're all and again what you just said, like honing in on those things that they love and really, even if you like my middle loves to write books. You know, Callie loves to write her own books and illustrate and stuff. And like her and Emma, I mean, they're taking what they've learned on the hikes or learned on field trips and writing that down. But even if they're not relating it to math or to anything else, like that is still what they should be spending their energy on. That is still what they should be improving on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's so many writers. If you look into writers, there's so many writers who were told time and time and time again just that they would get papers back from school and it was all marked up with red and they got so discouraged and you know their English teacher told them that they weren't gonna you know you're never gonna you're never gonna you want to be a writer you're never gonna be a writer you're never Mm -hmm. you know but the passion within them lived Mm -hmm. and here they are you know selling I can't think of a specific one to quote specific like whatever they've sold but you know they're they're successful writers I know one that that um you know her name's Sally Rooney and she writes and she doesn't use quotation marks at all and I have never had a problem following her dialogue but it's been one of those things where it's clicked with I'm like oh my gosh all the things you know usually at least for fiction writing it's Uh not written in a traditional form it's not written in an ap english style you know it's conversational it's saying gonna instead of going Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. it's you know using slang it's being relatable and i remember when i read her book it did stand out at first just because like i'm so used to seeing quotation marks you know because that's what we were taught and that's what you do i'm not saying don't use quotation marks however (laughs) uh it was just fascinating to see like oh this book i can read this whole thing i know exactly who's talking i know when they're talking you know because she's such a good writer Mm -hmm. it flows naturally there was no confusion um, and it kind of goes to that point, you know, like not mm-hmm. everything's going to be all tied up in a bow. Everything mm-hmm. looks different. And, um, same into what you said about, and I, th- I think what we've all talked about a lot in our, the gift of homeschooling is we get to focus on our kids' strengths mm-hmm. and it's not ignoring their weaknesses. It's mm-hmm. not pretending that they don't exist. Mm-hmm. It's that we take time for those and we, we go through at the rate that they need to uh-huh. go through. We don't rush them through their weaknesses. Delicately to not yeah. break their confidence. Right. We're, we're delicate mm-hmm. with it. We take the time that needs to do. We take the pause that we're able to. And then we really celebrate and give them a lot of time to mm-hmm. develop their passions and their creativity mm-hmm. and, and have that time and space. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not from a curriculum. That's from time and space Mm -hmm. of of homeschooling that that allows that I love that and I always think about like also another quote but I can't remember you guys but it was like 60% of the jobs that our children are going to have haven't even been created yet yet. so Mm -hmm. like I I just when I get a little nervous about if I'm doing enough or 
if I'm choosing the right curriculum or if, we fo- if we're focusing on the right thing, I think about that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. she might not even do anything that's not even created yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. I mean, there's, I think the, the general consensus from this is that there's just so many options out there. Find mm-hmm. what works for you. It's fine to mix and match. It's fine to um, have one kid in one curriculum. If you have multiple mm-hmm. kids, you know, they don't all have to do the same curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that can get expensive or overwhelming. And difficult. But-, um, but, you know, just being aware. But also when it comes to expense, like, you can piece together a lot from, it takes time, and time mm-hmm. can be money, but, like, you can piece a lot together from Pinterest or from free resource resources on Teachers Pay Teachers um, or just that you can borrow from Instagram accounts and just see different information that people put out there, you know, or like YouTube, mm-hmm. online things. Like there are so many opportunities out there that you can really find what's going to work for um, your kid and let them take their time through whatever it works. And just don't be afraid to jump ship if you need to. Yep. And um one thing, too, I think that some people just need reassurance on is that so most curriculums are going to come with a pacing guide, and that pacing guide kind of breaks down by day, by by unit and then by week and then by day what lesson you should be on. And there are, I mean, we might start out day one of school on day one of our math curriculum. Probably not, but we might. But if we do, then that's about the only day that's ever going to align with how many days we've actually been in school because we are out adventuring. We are doing this. And... I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not married to that pacing guide. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to let that stop us from living our life and taking, taking, um, advantage of the, of the real learning opportunities that we come across or, you know, a text from one of you guys that says, Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to go hiking? Uh, yeah, of course, always. Um, and finishing a curriculum is not a law either. I Mm -hmm. mean, I was a teacher and, Many teachers do not finish curriculums by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, those of you that have kids in public school, I'm sure that most of you were sent home with workbooks mm-hmm. and books at the end of the year that might not have even been touched or if they were halfway through or whatever. It's not a law. You mm-hmm. don't have to – you're not married to this. And if you find it doesn't work for your child, you can switch mid-year. Again, money is involved, so that's a consideration. Um also, if you're comparing curriculums and you're just having a hard time looking online, if you YouTube like any curriculum, like let's say Masterbooks grade three compare versus Good and the Beautiful grade three math, if you put that in YouTube, you're going to find so many videos that are showing you the insides of the books to, that are talking about the types of learners that that has been successful for or showing you the difference or, um, you know, whatever. If, if you, it, YouTube is a great resource for that. Mm-hmm. I think homeschool families are a good resource too. I, I've mm-hmm. never not met somebody that homeschools and is unwilling for me to look at their stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't That's know. True. I just mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. anybody I've ever talked to, they're like, "Yeah, I'd love to show mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. before you invest your money or time in it." Yep. And I would even I will say to to play the other side of that coin is that about like finishing it or not. I've also used it. I've used the pacing guides as motivation to like sometimes get ahead because mm-hmm. um, not for myself, but for the kids and specifically at the end of the year. Um, I know last year we finished our, we did finish our math curriculum and we finished it about, I don't know, maybe two weeks ahead mm-hmm. or something. But that was really from the kid. They had more to do, mm-hmm. um, but they knew that as soon as they were done with that, both like that their math was done for the year Mm -hmm. and they got really motivated and started doing multiple lessons a day and at that point it's review so I think for them it was easier to bust through like once you get through the new concepts they can take review a little bit quicker um if they so choose and like like Michelle said you don't have to finish it and I know there were books that we skipped in our language arts curriculum so it's not like we had everything all well and for my family we only use a um curriculum for math and language arts Mm -hmm. um but you know it's it kind of worked for us for the opposite of like they could see that these you know 180 is that magic number so once you're done with that though if you finish those on day if you finish all that math on day 100 Mm -hmm. you're done with your math I mean you're still going to do stuff you're still going to have your school days obviously but if Mm -hmm. you've done 180 days of work Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how many days whether you know if if Mm -hmm. it's taken longer or not and that's that's what's great. So you mentioned you only use math and language curriculum. So how do you make sure that 
science and social studies are covered? Yeah, so for science and social studies, we um, will and any other subjects, whether it's music, art, mm-hmm. gym. Mm-hmm. Our kids just you know, play a lot and play a lot of sports, but you know, like um, any of the other subjects, foreign language, whatever, we just do curiosity based. And so most of that is following our kids and their own individual interests. I mean, we have, both of my boys are super passionate about animals, and so there's a lot of wildcrats in our house. There's a lot of YouTube videos on different animals and comparisons, and, um, you know, my middle, every single time we go to the library, he's getting four or five, and we go every week, he's getting four or five books on different animals and reading those, and um, then my oldest is obsessed with history, mm-hmm. and so he is constantly, every <laughs> Every week at the library, he's getting different books on, you know, different wars or different time periods. Um, and they they are so close that whatever one is doing bleeds into the other. You know, they're always mm-hmm. talking about different things, and so they're learning from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find different, you know, documentaries or we listen to different podcasts. You know, one of our favorites is Who Win Wow, and that one goes through... Um, it talks about different people and kind of shares their life journeys. And those are, those span all different subjects. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's so fun for the kids cause they can learn about all these different people and, you know, our five-year-old can listen to them as well. So mm-hmm. she's hearing these advanced things. They also love Greeking out with which, which is all about Greek mythology. Um, so they get really excited to listen to that. And, um, it's mainly, you know, utilizing our resources, but following their curiosities and letting them run wild with those. I love that. What about you guys? How do you work that out in your families? Many of the same ways. Um, hiking and being out in nature checks a lot of those science, um, you know, those science uh, standards, sorry. Um We're not huge history people, but uh, Lennon probably provides most of our (laughs) Mm -hmm. history curriculum. And you know what? I love that for him, and I love that for our kids because it comes out in their play. It comes out when we are, you know, at the historical uh, historical sites and what was that state park? Tippecanoe? Tippecanoe Battleground? I mean, Mm -hmm. they learned, I learned from Mm -hmm. Lennon more than I've ever cared to learn about history, to be honest. Um, you know, he's, he's a lot more interesting to me than like a book or my high school teachers were Mm -hmm. about history. And I think that's a really awesome thing that we have between our kids because they do all have their strengths and my kids are going to listen to something Lennon says way better than they're going to listen to me reading a story that they find boring Mm -hmm. or, you know, if it's coming out in play. Um, so yeah. Um, for science for us, we love Emily's Wonder Lab, and I got mm-hmm. her book, so mm-hmm. we go through her book and choose things that are in there. I didn't even realize she had a book. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm. Um, and then for, like, history, we do, like, Indiana history with our, our past to the museum. Mm-hmm. I feel like that hits a lot of things, and... Yeah, he's a great resource for sure. He is. Uh Mm -hmm. Well, but I think you just meant the Indiana State Museum, and yeah, it has, we have so many different, what is it, 16 historical sites um, around the state, and we are slowly but surely making our way through Mm -hmm. all of those, and I think it's just so amazing because our kids, they're not just in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. We only have one in fourth grade right now, which would be the technical Mm -hmm. Indiana Indiana history Mm -hmm. standards. but, you know, all of our kids are getting to go and live, be in these real-life places and learn about what was happening there and actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And for me, like, I do love history. My husband loves history. Lennon loves history. But one thing I love about homeschooling is that um, we get to teach our kids real, true history. Mm-hmm. You know, they get to understand the realities. They get to understand the ugly and the good and the scary and you know we were just at our um indiana historical society and they did a an exhibit on the holocaust and it was incredibly sobering and powerful and you know tilly at five was asking questions and being able to explain that to her and have her learn um it's not that it's not overwhelming but they can learn Mm -hmm. when they're given the opportunity um they can get curious, they can understand, and they can be exposed to things at very young ages and still be able to understand the good in the world, but then also understand the reality of the world. And I think that's, you know, we don't just do history, we also do current events. I mean, that's a big mm-hmm. thing in our family. And 
um, we we enjoy being able to have those conversations and be able to understand what's what's going on in the world. And I think that's a, a big gift of, you know, a lot of times homeschooling, I think I've said this before, but a lot of times homeschooling is viewed as people homeschool to close their world. And I know I, and I think I can speak for, the, for both of you, we all homeschool to open our world and to have our kids, you know, like be global citizens mm-hmm. and learn about the world around them. Yeah, so what are the ways you guys um, supplement curriculum? whether that's technology or games, can speak to that. We really love games, um, especially my oldest, who doesn't exactly love book work and sitting down and, you know, doing the problems that are given to her. Um, We have a a lot of games. I mean, we have, gosh, so many games in our house. Some of our favorites are Sleeping Queens, uh, Memory Matching, even Stevens Odd, Yahtzee, Blocus, um... Those are some of our favorite games. We also have some individual games that are kind of like uh, strategy type games or visual, kind of like visual learning games. Um, Sudoku and Cat Crumbs is a fun one they loved. Uh, Love and Canoodle. Rush Hour is really fun. Uh, Simon and Boppet. Um, those are our favorites. So, you know, sometimes they'll choose to do one of those instead of, you know, especially if I'm putting Molly down for a nap or something. Um, instead of like a screen time situation they'll choose to do those or if they want to play together then they'll play one of our bigger board games Emma loves Mad Libs wow. oh those are fun yeah which mm-hmm. I, I got that from you I yeah we I saw, love those yeah which they're always so funny to her too and, mm-hmm. and so it's, and like what a fun way to review parts of speech yeah and <laughs> mm-hmm. making sentences and being hilarious mm-hmm. Um, she also loves, like, Guess Who. I don't know if that's really curriculum-based or anything like that, but, you know, ask good questions and I mean, it's eliminate. definitely visual discrimination. Yeah. That, that's, that's a skill. I like how that sounded. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's is, that is the standard. Yeah. Like, and not that you have to do this, but I've seen on, like, a trend on Instagram about swapping out Guess Who, and a lot of them are, like, party tricks of, like, going to a party and having, the, like, someone's birthday, but having, like, the guest in the guess who and then you have to guess it like that but you could always do that you could change out your guess who with like historical people or characters from books or um with different animals and you know there's would be so many ways to if you felt like it wasn't educational enough quote unquote you could you could level it up so easily Mm -hmm. i mean not really easily it was a lot of cutting but you know you, you could do it if you wanted to but i think her just taking that time going back and forth Learning how to lose, learning how to win. Questioning. You know, questioning mm-hmm. what questions to ask. That's huge. It's great. Mm-hmm. Another game that she likes is Sequence. We play that one. Oh, we also play um, Scrabble Junior. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Yeah, I like Scrabble She likes Junior. that one. That one's easy, too, which yeah. I like. And there's usually an end time. You know, it's like yes. 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I love all the, I feel like that's the perk <clears throat> of all the Junior games. Monopoly yeah, Junior. For sure. <laughs> As far as technology, um, Emma loves Big Life Journal podcast, or I, I think it's called something else on the podcast app. Big Life Kids. Big Life Kids. She loves that, and that's great because it leads to a lot of great discussion on how to handle certain situations and different feelings and different emotions. So kind of hits that like mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. We love that one. We love that one, too. Yeah. And then, I mean, as far as games, we we just got this game recently called outnumbered it's a math game and it is they uh, my boys just absolutely loved it um there's just a lot of math involved and you're kind of taking out uh the bad guys with through your math and they, they loved it they thought it was so much fun so we love that one we love uno sorry trouble um battleship is another great one for coordinates you know um Tilly loves Candyland, and, and, and but taking turns and you know, again counting. learning, counting, learning how to win, learning how to lose, all those sorts of things are huge. Um, as far as individual individual games, like you mentioned, Michelle, um, Target has a great line called Chuckle and Roar, mm-hmm. and they're typically pretty, pretty inex well, but they're inexpensive. I was mm-hmm. going to say, like they're mm-hmm. they don't break the bank. Um, yeah, I think most of them are like nine ninety nine or less. Yeah, but they have this one thing called Shape Makers, and it's actually, I mean, it goes it goes older than, it's not just preschool, it goes older too, um, but it's using the, like, different magnetic shapes and creating the pieces, but they have different levels. They have a preschool level where it has them all 
blocked out and then it has like where the entire shape is blank and you just have to use Mm -hmm. you know your spatial awareness to be able to fit them all and to create these different pictures Mm -hmm. and that one is a good um car ride one because it's magnetic Mm -hmm. so I, i like that one a lot um and then yeah i i mentioned the podcast that we like to listen to but you know we are not afraid of tv in our home um we don't want to overdo it we do have screen line screen time um in our routine for them so that they don't have to ask all the time even though that seems to never work and they still ask but um we have it we do we have uh we do utilize tv when it works for us um if i need to take a shower or i need to go do something uh you know, we'll throw on a Wild Kratz or Dino Dana, Odd Squad, really anything on PBS. Mm-hmm. That's a go-to. Um, on YouTube, we also, like I have that each kid has a playlist um, that is kind of like their, it's either their interest and or their grade level so that, that we just can reference that. And then like I have ones for each subject. So um, when I know that I need to like have another resource to help teach a lesson or something, I'll put it in there and um, they can go and watch it. Or like my middle who loves science, he knows that he can go and click on our science playlist and there's going to be lots of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest who loves history, he has ones that have been like approved by me that we know mm-hmm. are safe for them to watch and things like that. So what's the one um, YouTube guy that you always talk about that I always forget to oh, watch? Oh, Mark Rober. Mark mm-hmm. Rober, yes. He's, he's great. The best. Yeah, we love Mark Rober in our house. So just taking advantage of those sorts of things, you're not, you know, making technology work for us. So how often, sorry, I mean interruption. How often do you go through like YouTube and find these videos for your kids and like put them on their playlist? Mm, Probably not often enough. Um, It really just kind of when it strikes, when it hits and I think about it. Um, And a lot of times at the beginning. I think that's a fair statement. That's a very realistic statement. Yeah, no, it's not, (laughs) there's there's no magic in that. Um, So sometimes at the beginning of the year, I'll look through their math curriculum and see what I know might be a little bit of a struggle just based on their the way that their brains work um and then I'll look through to try to find some stuff to support me or to support them for if I know it's going to be an uphill battle just saying like okay here's somebody else's voice or here's somebody else to teach you or just different strategies for them to learn from so I do not have a set time you know it really is just when it strikes or if they have um something they're particular interest particularly interested in like for example my oldest was really interested in the Baltic Wars for a while and uh that is not something I know anything about at all exactly (laughs) that's yep and so I had to go online and try to find some kid-friendly Baltic war videos and you know were you successful in finding we we found some information Also, I feel like if you're going to be in a history, you got to learn how to listen to people talk. Oh, yeah. So it's not always like, it's not, you know, some it's not like dumbed down, glitzy, but, yeah. you know, it's sometimes there's more intense, but just making sure that, you know, they weren't too intense yeah. for him. So, right. or gory or anything like that. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just more so flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> That's how it goes. No, I love that. I, I kind of remember when last year there was like a tornado warning or the weather was really bad and didn't we look up like mm-hmm. we all shared videos that we found about the weather because mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know how a tornado was created mm-hmm. and all this and we yeah. found like mm-hmm. kid friendly videos. So I've used it mostly for alternative math uh, math methods. So mm-hmm. um, Ella especially in math is just not her forte and a lot of times you know there is a concept that is, I feel like, is a core concept that you really need to... I don't even care if you can, like, necessarily... I, I don't care that you can memorize the steps. I'm more interested in you knowing the, you knowing the know-how behind it all. I don't... You know, whether that's with manipulatives or just understanding the concept of it is what I'm more worried about. And sometimes, you know, what the, the way that's presented in her textbook is just not driving with her. So we'll look up, you know fraction basic fractions in relation to cooking on YouTube or you know teaching teaching fractions in relation to cooking or you know teaching multiplication visually or teaching multiplication through song or you know just mm-hmm. trying all those different ways because one videos are you know they don't typically get free screen time during like all day we have kind of times where that's appropriate so one, that feels fun to her, and two, it's a video, and it's not me or a textbook. Which, and and three, it's presenting it in a different way than I'm capable of presenting it. Mm-hmm. 
So it's additional support. Yeah. Do you guys ever use like YouTube or technology or even shows or anything like that for things that they're already great at? Oh yeah. Yeah. I so think give them that, yeah. Like, yeah, that's easy. I this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think just to continue their passions, you know, like mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. we have every season of Wild Kratts because my kids again love animals, and so it's like they they like to revisit those sometimes and, mm-hmm. and watch them and just like it's like okay yeah go have some wildcat time because they're yeah. going to learn about that they're going to have the fun and I mean same like you said we don't utilize it every day and it's not something that they typically get during our school day because um it can be a bit of a you know once you mm-hmm. once you start it's hard, it's hard to pull to stop, away from you know they're like even Pringles. for me as a mom sometimes yeah. I'm like gosh I really this is just great sitting here getting getting the laundry done mm-hmm. and I have to set those limits for myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> to be completely yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, things that can can help them or celebrate what they've learned or what they've known or watching kind of to what you were just saying, like watching in a video that you know they already understand the concept and then be like, Oh my gosh, look, like okay. you knew yeah. what Emily from Emily's Wonder Lab was saying, or, you know, you knew how that worked. Like, um, so hyping them up for sure. And this is, this is not technology and a little random, but one, when you were talking about math and Mm -hmm. the videos, the videos do not work well for my oldest. He like, we've tried so many different YouTube math videos and we have not found one that clicks or jives Mm -hmm. with him. But he's a reader and he Mm -hmm. loves to read. And so I did find, I had gotten this at our library um, and then I ended up buying one for myself, but it's the Usborne Illustrated Dictionary of Maths. Oh. And it is because he loves to read and that's how he processes information the best when he can read the math concept and it does have illustrations. So it does have visuals along with it, but for him to be able to read it and digest it in that way has been something that's been super helpful. So like, there are so many different ways. And again, I started out with this at my library. I just kept checking it out for so long that I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get my <laughs> own now. Um, but there's just so many different ways. There's so many resources out. And being the fact that we live in a digital world and an accessible war- world, mm-hmm. I mean, there you can figure it out. You can make it happen. There. Redo. And resources. So for our resource this week, we're going to bless you all with a bonus episode, all dedicated to our favorite resource, Miss Julie Bogart, (laughs) who we have come to love as a veteran homeschooler, as I don't just her whole person and her whole just personality on social media that she shows up as. She also has written amazing books that we have gotten so much value from, and she's written curriculums, um, writing and reading curriculum for lots of different ages, and we are in our second year of using her uh, her reading curriculum, and we are all completely just in love with her and cannot wait to share an entire bonus episode. So when you check out today with this one, um, there will be a short, quick bonus episode for you to check out all about our resource for the week okay and our redo for this week um you know it's it's kind of a big thing that we've already discussed in this podcast but I'm still going to share again um it's all about not being tied to a curriculum um you know I think when I first started I just felt like I had to have it I had to finish I had to do it exactly the way um it was listed and I couldn't stray from it and if I if it didn't work for my kid, then we were all failing. Mm-hmm. And just taking the time to learn that, that that is not true. You know, if someone doesn't drive with a curriculum, that doesn't mean anything on their intelligence. It doesn't mean anything as you as a mom or as a homeschooler or as a parent. Um, it just means that there's something else. There's a, there's a better way to, for your kid to learn. And for us, you know, we did we tried out this online curriculum called Time for Learning, and it's has great reviews. It's worked well for a lot of people. It didn't work for my kids, but I kind of got, um, I don't know, I got a little stubborn because I had paid for it and it was easy for me because it was online. And so someone else was doing the work. I wasn't doing it. Um, but it did not work. Mm -hmm. And it, it, for my children, it did not work for my children. Um, it wasn't the vibe that we were going for. It wasn't working for us. And so, you know, 
finally having the courage to say like, okay, we're going to stop it. You can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a redo I've had to practice so many times because um, it does get overwhelming. And if there's finance involved, that gets really stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, just listen to your kids, trust your kids, understand there are other options out there. There are a lot of free options out there. Um, and just taking time to explore that and reminding yourself that if you have a lull in curriculum or something like that, there are going to be resources that can fill that. Um, and again, now I mentioned this earlier, but with chat GPT, like you can get whatever it is that you need. So, um, just try not to be so tied. Don't be so hard on yourself and understand that you nor your children are defined by a curriculum. Thank you so much for joining us on our fifth podcast. Uh, Don't forget, we have a special bonus episode for you already available to you. Um, And then our next full episode will come out in two weeks. We'll see you then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at barefootscholars underscore the podcast to follow along on all of our adventures. You can also like and subscribe to our channel to make sure you don't miss our next episode. And if you like what you hear, we would love for you to leave a review.